0: And welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, AFC Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy Wednesday, everybody. Joining me, as always, on this lovely edition of the show, PFF's finest host of the Unexpected Points Podcast. All around, pretty cool guy when I mean, he's not pissing off, you know, one NFL fan base or another, Kevin Cole. Kevin, what's up, man?
1: Yeah, pretty cool guy. I'll take that. What, <laughs> you know what? Um, I was perusing Twitter the other day as I, as I, as I like to do. And I noticed, you know, I came across your profiles looking at some of the stats on here, 122,000 followers, my man, that's a lot. And then I looked at my own and it's like, you know, 30 something, 30, 30, something thousand. So I started to think to myself, okay, like why would there be this huge difference? Right. Clearly you're not providing any more value than I am right? <laughs> clearly, on, clearly. on Twitter. You know, you got some jokes. I'll give you that. And then, but then, as I saw more and more, you know what I realized is what I'm missing. I don't have the catchphrases. Okay, (laughs) you have the you know King's Day, Kings, Great Day to be Great, the sheesh stuff, the she stuff. So what I thought is we're gonna hyperdrive my follower growth and my popularity. By getting some catchphrases of my own here. So I'm gonna test out a few of these right now. If you'll indulge me here, okay. I'm gonna test out a few of these before we start, and then we'll get into all the AFC stuff. So, so okay. So you have the whole sheesh, sheesh thing, sheesh thing. So then mine was gonna be bad play happens, bad, bad, bad play happens, you say, Oopsie poopsie. Oh, my God. What do you think about I, that? Does that one work?
0: I, I, at first, I took this as a compliment. Now I'm starting to get a little bit insulted here, Kevin. You
1: can even use the poop emoji, perhaps. Okay, forget that. We'll scrap that one. Let's scrap that one. Okay, I got another one here. Uh, I'm actually stealing this from uh, the late, great Norm MacDonald because I saw an interview way oh, back in go. the day where where he was being interviewed by uh, Howard Stern, and he said this is, he's coming up with a catchphrase. This is a new catchphrase. I think it can be applied also, and it is it – is, you gotta give your head a shake. Okay, that's what it is here. So this is like if you're tilted, you gotta give your head a shake. It kind of has a magic eight ball imagery going on here. And it's okay. to reset, refocus. What do you think about that?
0: I can get behind that one. Honestly, I thought you were maybe gonna start going into like a different type of the moth joke that Norm does, uh, you know, no, yeah, out there as well.
1: I could have done that. This is probably just as entertaining uh, <laughs> as that as that whole setup was. Okay, so and then my last one here, and I try to like bring in the data scientist sort of stuff here. Of course is um friends don't let friends be a data hater what do you think about (laughs) that one data hater
0: you know kevin there's (laughs) there's only one way to find out you gotta you gotta see you gotta send those out there okay i'm I'm gonna workshop a few more maybe we'll
1: we'll come back to them but that's my idea now because i realize this is i mean it's it's all about those catchphrases i've been i've been neglecting that as part of my portfolio so we're going to work on that going forward
0: I feel like if anything, my Twitter has like gotten a little bit worse in terms of uh, going over the years. I half expect like to be look. I would never, you know, I'm not gonna pay for the verified check mark. I'm like to pay for editing. I've always just thought it was hey, you know, something to get out my thoughts on Twitter. In the past, when I knew no one was reading my articles or listening to what I had to say, I was like, if I'm gonna do the work, I might as well throw the uh, stuff out there. But man, I don't freaking get it. There's people out there that are so much smarter and better than this than me, and I just see them. You know, <laughs> you sometimes bring, like you, a you bring your followers. followers
1: along on a journey i think so maybe I, i'm going to get some of that going here so so be, be on the lookout for that for, for my catchphrases
0: last thing before we get in this apologize for the long intro everyone out there but the one thing i appreciate about the twitter game and about the you know live shows we have on here actual rare segment of fantasy twitter where things are positive it's guys talking ball just having a good time even maybe the occasional you know girl bot russian porn bot or two as well so always a great day to be great along these streets there we go kevin there's there another one see instead of instead it, of being like seamless look seamless at this delivery look at this random stat you throw on like a great day to be great, cool, 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 pretty, pretty, pretty good, something at the end of it and all of a sudden... I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it. All of a sudden people are eating right out of the palm of your hands. But after that entirely too long intro, let's get to our regularly scheduled programming, everyone. As always, we go through each and every team with the AFC and we're going to record another podcast and do the same thing with the NFC, go through a key real life question to match up a few fantasy segments and move on to the next one. So with that, Kevin, starting things off with the 6-1 and Buffalo Bills. This week in New York facing the Jets, 13 point road favorites, game total of 47 and a half. So I started my lovely Sunday night podcast with Dwayne at halftime of that Bills-Packers game, and I was catching back up watching the second half on Monday, and I see Josh Allen throw two pretty terrible interceptions in the second half, and guess what? It didn't matter because Josh Allen, when you already have that big of a lead, you know, who cares? Who's going to spend time talking about that? But maybe go back and actually look at how turnover-prone Josh has been this year, and only quarterbacks with at least 13 turnover-worthy plays, Matt Ryan, Justin Fields, Jacoby Brissett, Jared Goff, and Josh Allen of a worthy play rate, 10th highest mark among 36 qualified quarterbacks. Only quarterbacks with at least 11 interceptions combined with dropped interceptions, Matthew Stafford, Kenny Pickett, and Josh Allen. Kevin, could this be low-key, like the thing that really could limit this Bill's offense? Because, again, the highs are so high. I feel like I'm nitpicking anyway, but let's face it. Josh Allen still has a little bit of that 2018-2019 d YOLO in him. I appreciate it, but do you think this could, again, be that you know one thing that the Bills haven't quite fixed on offense yet, or is this merely just an after effect of them being so aggressive and we should all live with it?
1: Yeah, I think we, we should live with it. The defense has been really, really good. Tredavious White now coming back. They haven't even had Tredavious White, arguably – Their best defensive player, I don't know, you could put Vaughn Miller, of course, in in that bucket too. But they got a lot of good defensive players. So that really helps, right? If you give up a turnover, and in this case, when Josh Allen was throwing, at least one of those turnovers was on the opponent's goal line. So you're not exactly putting them in great field position there. You're more limiting your own scoring. Having a defense who could then force three and outs, force their own turnovers, get the ball back, I don't think it's a limiting factor. I think you still see with this Bills offense, with so many offenses stuck in the mud, they're able to score from anywhere at any time with any amount of uh, seconds left on the clock, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm still particularly high on them. But you're right, they did struggle more. If you only watched the first half, which I bet a lot of people did, did <laughs> for that one, you might not have noticed how much they struggled in the second half. Um, the news here, though, I would say, the backfield news, you yeah. took what was a highly frustrating and simplified somewhat, yet still not that productive backfield. And then you said, "Ah, oh, let's just throw Naheem Hines in there and then just make everything bad. I had picked up James Cook in a few different leagues, thinking coming out of the bye, you get something going. You know, they had a big lead. He started mm-hmm. to get some series to his own. And then the rug just swept out underneath us here for anyone hoping for fantasy success from anyone in this backfield with Naheem Hines in tow.
0: Why do these smart teams just keep on investing all this stuff in running backs that they don't need? San Francisco and Buffalo alike. And obviously all those guys in the organizations know a hell of a lot more about this than myself. And I would venture to say Kevin as well. But, you know, just Maybe. looking yeah, just looking at the situation, <laughs> the Bills, they don't use these guys. They never have. And I don't know why they keep going back to the well with this. You know, again, for them to use a second round pick on Cooks after they were uh, flirting with J.D. McKissick throughout the offseason as well. Since 2020, this offense is 26th in RB targets. They're 20th this year in terms of goal line carries. They're 29th this season with running back goal line carries. They're 27 since 2020. It's an offense that has consistently been at the top of the league in pretty much everything except fantasy points for running backs, which who cares in real life? You know, we're just over here trying to figure it out in fantasy, but it really is wild, Kevin, how, again, if if you looked at every single move the Bills have been making over the past few years, I feel like you'd be okay with almost everything Except this running back stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, care, running back carry is the worst thing that the Bills' offense could do. <laughs> running back target might be the second worst thing this offense can do versus even a Josh Allen carry. Here, don't understand it. I mean, we have Gabe Davis is probably one of the other talking points here that. You know, the Gabe Davis uh, victory lappers are still going to have to deal with this. It's this not just an injury sort of thing. Like, do we really want fewer targets going around when we have the ability to get these guys the ball? Davis has gone um, over the last four weeks. He was 89th in fantasy scoring four weeks ago, first 18th and now 57th. Um, he's going to be keep on. He's going to keep on keeping on in that regard, but let's not set up uh, targets for these running backs. I'm just glad for Brandon Bean because clearly this has been haunting him for months on end that he could finally put this to bed and maybe, you know, (laughs) concentrate on the things that actually matter going forward
0: just one meeting after another, freaking out about their lack of a. I I guess their lack of a pass down back. And Cook had that awesome like 41-yard catch and run last week. I don't know why he couldn't be that guy. I, just, like-
1: I can see Brandon B. He's just sitting around. Now, what about this? Uh, what about Amir Abdullah? He's looking pretty good before the season. He's you know, it's like, it's like looking at everything for dude. Stop. Okay. He's, anyway. he's like,
0: how old is Brandon Bolden again? But with, uh, look, and Hines is a very good running back. I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy. And he is awesome in the pass game. It's just like, okay, Hey, is he going to make the most out of three, four targets per week? Sure, fine. Uh, expect most of the passing game to hopefully continue to go through. Stefan Diggs to a slightly lesser extent, Gabe Davis. So Devin Singletary someone that, yeah, he does have to go down more into low-end RB2 territory. He's going to be more so in RB3 when we don't have six teams on a bye. And this matchup specifically just isn't exactly the spot we're looking for. With him, Singletary this year has had snap rates of 72%, 59, 54, and 54 in their four games that have basically been and won by double digit points he really booms up into the every down rule when they actually are able to play close games again with their status as 13 point favorites not exactly expecting this to be a close one speaking of those new york jets hosting the bills had that win streak snapped and yeah kind of had to do a lot with zach wilson continuing to do a lot of zach wilson things so i want to be I want to give him a little bit benefit of doubt like we do with Kenny Pickett. This hasn't been the easiest stretch for him since coming back from an injury in week four. He's in Pittsburgh, then faces the Dolphins, in Green Bay, in Denver, then faces the Patriots, and now he's got Buffalo. So this hasn't been easy. That said... He's going to have to play Buffalo again after their bye week. Things don't necessarily get a ton easier. And Kevin, the big issue that we discussed a little bit last week, it's not just that Zach is making a lot of these turnover-worthy plays. We just said with Josh Allen, sometimes that's, a, that's an effect of a quarterback going out there and doing their things. The problem is we're not getting the big-time throws. 2% big time throw rate this year. That's just 29th among 36 qualified quarterbacks. And again, more of a stylistic thing sometimes, but you watch Zach Wilson play and he is fully trying to make these big time throws happen. So I made a little, made a little handy-dandy graph with our back-end ultimate tools. Didn't even need to, you know, spend 60 hours learning R. And anyway, I got big time throw rate, 240 play rate. And the guys right up there in Zach Wilson's little, you know, sphere in the top left, Cooper Rush, Justin Fields, and Matt Ryan hasn't been good you could argue like have you seen enough from zach wilson basically kevin because that's that's the point i'm kind of at with it because the wide receivers are there we've seen flacco in this very same offense put up some numbers yes his sack avoidance is great i know the offensive line isn't doing him many big favors but we need anything here this is the most influenced most impacted quarterback by pressure in the entire league and the way he plays you would really think he'd be able to overcome that a little bit better than he has are you done with the Zach Wilson experience.
1: I don't know if I'm done, but if we if we also tracked um LOL worthy plays, then Zach Wilson number one would be would be leading the league. I told you not to apologize last week. You could have been back on here dunking on Jazz fans during that entire time. But anyway, uh. let's they had those are some classics. We so you know what's funny about Zach. It's it's like he does something. And then, like, it's a type of play where it's Mahomes or it's Josh Allen. Like, something, like, cool happens on the other end. Instead, he just fires the ball out there directly to a, to a defender. Kevin, well, I think maybe, Kevin yeah, it, took
0: me, it took me years to think of the right Zach Wilson comp, and it finally came to me on Sunday. He plays like a Patrick Mahomes had to get blackout drunk before every game. Like, that is Zach Wilson at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I can't, can't see the uniform colors um, <laughs> that are going on out there. But, okay, this is, like, a little bit – Low key under the radar, I think there's some there's a lot of yak in here and some other stuff, but he did have 355 yards passing, which is more than 100 more than he's had any other game this season. He did average 8.7 yards per attempt, his highest of the season. And when we're talking about fantasy, he was the number 11 quarterback on the week, which is his best finish of the season. So, we like red zone watchers like myself aren't seeing a lot of that other stuff. We saw the touchdown, which was a great looking ball. We see the LOL worthy stuff and that makes us feel bad. But I guess from a fantasy perspective, at least there's some hope here where if we can get 350 something yards passing, some of that can spread out to these other options who are really hoping to be able to play in fantasy.
0: We finally did get good stats and a bad performance which was yep. not a given for him or honestly last year trevor lawrence he's been able to improve that a little bit but that really was the big issue uh, before last week i mean you look at week six just 110 passing yards week 7 121 i mean those touchdowns last week he had two in week eight he only had one from weeks four to seven so hey a lot more of that offense was going through Brees hall it looks like he's going to have to uh, shoulder a bigger load moving forward Hopefully he can uh, get things back on track. Again, I maintain guys like Zach Wilson when they are good, it's fantastic because of the way they play the game, and when they're bad, it's also pretty fun. So I'm, again, you got I'm, the
1: uh, you got the dreaded vote of confidence for the rest <laughs> of year starter, uh, Mike White. For guys in four quarterback leagues, Mike White is the backup now. If you want to, if you want to know, Flacco and in third string
0: also uh, directing the always fantastic White Lotus television series during his spare time. All right. We did see Garrett Wilson suddenly the only wide receiver getting a full-time role in this offense. Yes. Elijah Moore working behind, not just Garrett, not just Denzel Mims. Jeff Smith himself now was a punchline now unironically working ahead of Elijah Moore. Got it. Love that. So Garrett Wilson, the only viable wide receiver here. Okay. Tyler Conklin borderline tight end one. That's fine. But with Garrett, you see the talent there. I mean, my God, the guy in the open field is great. He got loose deep. I saw I think some of his teammates just even comping him to Justin Jefferson earlier in the year. And it wasn't straight up. But their point was that nobody wants to guard this guy in man coverage. And I think you can see that the dude is just so sudden in everything he does. The problem, seven or fewer targets in every game Zach Wilson has played. Yeah, he had the 115 yards last week. That was the first time he's had more than 41 since the Flacco games. I'm not against having some more exposure to Wilson down the stretch, Kevin, but this week against the Bills, I mean, this just seems like a nightmare spot for this entire offense. Like what's the over under for Zach Wilson passing yards going to be like 175. And I wouldn't really feel good about taking that over third and pressure rate dead last in blitz rate. This defense is built to make life miserable for opposing quarterbacks. And they really have all season long. If I can help it, I do not want to start any jets in fantasy this week. That seems fair.
1: Yeah, I think so, and it's interesting with Elijah Moore. I know that you—it's pretty thin. Like Corey Davis is not necessarily a long, long-term option. Denzel Mims has been playing again, but you know he's Denzel Mims. Uh, Braxton Barrios, Tyler Conkin looks okay, but like if you're the Jets, okay, Chase Claypool just got traded for a second-round pick, and it's the Bears' own second-round pick, so that could be who knows. You like your your logical assumption would be front half of the second round what kind of pick could they have gotten from Elijah Moore? And I'm not sure it wouldn't have been a bad move because let's face it, Jets in the AFC. I know your records pretty pretty good this, this season, but like, you're not really making a Super Bowl or something like that this season. I don't know. I might've considered trading him for a first round pick. If it's really that big of an issue and everything else that's going on there. And you're not really utilizing him a whole, a whole bunch also.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're not going to use a guy in a top 40, 45 pick is, actually out there available I don't know why they wouldn't have done it I'm sure we'll have more thoughts on that Claypool trade once we get to the NFC side of things in third place we have the five and three Dolphins but I do agree with Kevin's point that this certainly does look like the second best team in this division and I saw on uh, one of your lovely charts that you can always find at Kevin Cole PFF had EPA per play on one axis and PFF offensive grade on the other and Tua is right up there with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen now, anyone that has watched these three quarterbacks play, I think, understandably, would have to as a tier down from these guys. How much of that, Kevin, do you think is Tua? Honestly, just being really good this year and him playing in the perfect offense for him with wide receivers that seemingly nobody can stay in front of, even though they know what's coming.
1: I mean, I think it's mostly the uh, the latter, but he's he's played well. You can't you can't you know take that away from. Him. I think what we have seen though is that. A little bit matchup dependent. I mean, the Steelers game wasn't great. He's had some bonkers games other than that. This was the Lions defense, so you never really know there. But when you have Hill and Waddle playing the way they're playing, you have an offensive system that has really been able to make this extremely narrow. I think they got something in the neighborhood of 60, 70% of the receptions last week, you know, (laughs) half the yards, two-thirds of the touchdowns. That is going to be highly profitable. It's going to be highly efficient. Uh, When you have those guys doing it and, you know, tip of the cap to Mike McDaniel continues to make that happen to is executing, though. There's no doubt about that.
0: I feel like with Mike McDaniel, if we didn't have, you know, the mismanage, I'm not even sure if it was his call with all the Tua concussion stuff, but I feel like that's kind of just lessened the allure of people, you know, just saying how great Mike McDaniel is doing with everything. Again, this offense, the fact that they still kept on keeping on, you know, as well as they did without Tua and Teddy and, you know, not every team has a prodigy number three quarterback like Skylar Thompson. I get that, but hey, the offense was still putting up big time numbers. And Tua this year, yeah, he had the two pretty brutal underthrows last week and Tyree caught them anyway because the guy is always so far behind the defense it doesn't even matter i would throw in there that tyreek was charged with a drop on what would have been a 60 yard score and at the end of the day 200 throws it it doesn't matter guys it just doesn't matter at this point they're still so good throwing downfield sixth in pff passing grade among 30 quarterbacks with at least 15 downfield attempts 20 plus yards six in passer rating second yards per attempt in the most accurate deep ball passer with adjusted completion rate as he was last year. A lot of people kind of mocked it, and guess what? We're seeing it again where no, I don't think Tua is capable of always hitting Tyreek in stride, but let's not pretend like that every single deep ball we caught from Mahomes was just completely in stride. Either we can give Tua a little bit of the break, but to Kevin's point, you know, not also not going to necessarily crowd his ass as uh, the, 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 yeah. the late great Dennis Scream. T- 2017,
1: Alex Smith, as I said like a billion times. This is basically, it's, it's all playing out.
0: It's all playing out. This week, they're in Chicago. Miami, five point road favorites in the 55 5.5 game total again. That game total, I I, I always start off every uh, gambling line with the with the note that I am not a successful long term gambler. But Kevin, that's game total seems awfully low out there for Chicago Bears defense that really hasn't been good this year, and now they are you know stripped pretty much dry of their actual you know game changing parts with Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn on the line of scrimmage. So big thing in fantasy, we're starting Tyreek to uh, Jalen Waddle everywhere. We kind of know what Mike D'Antoni is at this point. How worried are you about the presence of Jeff Wilson for Raheem Mostert? Chase Edmonds is out of the picture, and I think some folks are wondering, hey, this is now just Raheem Mostert complete RB1 season, and I still have Mostert this week as a top 15 running back. He should be in lineups of all shapes and sizes. This is a fantastic matchup for him, but I – much more preferred Chase Edmonds being there. We had no issues with Chase Edmonds at this point because we had six, seven weeks of evidence that Raheem Mostert was a clear-cut RB1 ahead of Chase Edmonds. You do look at Jeff Wilson this year, and he's objectively been more efficient than Raheem Mostert in pretty much you know a very similar offense, we can say, coming from the Kyle Shanahan 49ers picture. So PFF rushing grade, they're very close. But yards per carry, Wilson's at 5.1, Mostert's at 4.5. Mostert does have slight edges in the yards after contact missed tackles force per carry. So I guess my thing, Kevin is we saw them really split usage in the past in the rare moments when Mostert was healthy enough to play for the 49ers. Do you still think that Mostert's going to get this 60, 70% snap rate? Because as willing as they have been to give that to him over the past six, seven weeks, let's face it. They started this season with Chase Edmonds as their RB one. They decided to trade him away as part of that Bradley Chubb deal. I know he was more of just a throw in piece, but I look at Moster here and I'm just not convinced that he has the same sort of stranglehold on this backfield when they did go back out of their way to bring Jeff Wilson in. They could have easily sat there and just said, Miles Gaskin, you know, you'll come in and play 20% of the snaps. Salvin Ahmed's still there somewhere. Overall thoughts on that Jeff Wilson trade. Because at a minimum, Wilson looks like a great handcuff now who doesn't have to deal with guys like Debo and Kyle check. should he finally touch the field.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think there's even some possibility, although it's not a great possibility, but there's some possibility that he will be a better fantasy player if Mostert goes down than Mostert will be yeah. with both of these guys healthy at the same time. OK, let's face it for for Raheem Mostert, you know, maybe they'll continue to give him that sort of workload, but it's just not smart. I don't think he's 200 pounds. Basically, he's never had more than a hundred and let's see here. He's never had more than 137 carries in in a season. Uh, He played one game in 2021. He only played eight games in 2020. And even if you go back to college for him uh, back at Purdue, he didn't really do that much there as far as it's concerned, never more than 93 carries in a season. He's just has never proven he can do that. I think if you're a team that wants to make a playoff push and a playoff run, The smart thing to do is to split this backfield much more so than they have been doing and have both explosive options available to you as long as possible.
0: So again, this week, Moster RB14, but I really think the major talking point after this week or next week, Wilson is supposed to make his debut this week, could be just how split these, these things are. But you guys can catch my uh, running back article every week on pff.com. And I do have a handcuff index with a short little blurb for every team. And after updating the Dolphins, I do have Jeff Wilson as a tier one handcuff because I do believe he will project as the lead back with a legit three down roll should anything happen to Raheem Moster, And yeah, we've been talking about this, man. They're still using Moster as a kick returner, Quit playing with fire, Mike McDaniel. (laughs) Just give the guy his 15, 20 touches on offense and be happy with it last place 4-4 and New England Patriots. They have fewer than 300 total yards in three of their last five games. Mac Jones looks shook out there, Kevin. This is not the same guy from last season. I don't know if it's the Bailey Zappi, you know, potential quarterback competition that's weighing on him. He is playing through the pain here. You know, he's got the Foxborough crowd rooting for his backup to come in for crying out loud. So, I get it. Not the easiest situation. And then, let's face it, you know, his wide receivers have been a group that we weren't exactly, you know, completely thrilled about to start the year. And then now a lot of them have been often and, on and off the field with injuries throughout it as well. So thoughts on Mac Jones. And I guess how much has your opinion on Mac Jones's ability to be this franchise quarterback for the Patriots changed, you know, before the season compared to now here we are entering week nine.
1: I mean, it's changed a lot. I don't think there's any other way to really look at it. I know you could say the offensive system changed. He never felt comfortable in that. Maybe that's a, an issue there. Uh, perhaps. I mean, in this last game too, he threw a pick six, an ugly pick six, which was called yeah. back by a roughing the passer call, which did not affect the throw, yeah. did not affect the throw at all. So Got a little bit lucky there. This was. Did you see? Uh, sorry,
0: Kevin, real quick. Yeah. Did you see he throws that terrible pick six? I have to call them pick shishas when they uh, get wiped off the board. But after that, they still had like 30, 40 seconds on the clock. And Belichick just, or whoever, you know, Patricia calls like three or four straight, just runs up the middle, like deep in yeah. Jess territory. They were like, no, we're dumb, Mac. You are not throwing this ball until we go into halftime.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they, were, they were sick to their stomach watching that the last time. There's nothing that's going to make Belichick. Uh, more disturbed now that game was in new york so they are going going to be at home this week so you're going to hear the calls i mean you're going to hear bailey zappy calls and yeah mac just doesn't look good he doesn't look comfortable he doesn't have the greatest offensive weapons around him the deep the offensive line has not been playing quite as well as it did the year before so that's partial to it um It's just going to be tough for any of the pass catchers there. And I think even for the running backs, I know Ramondre Stevens kind of got there by having high, high efficiency. He had a top 10 finish last week. But Damian Harris, 42% of snaps, 34% of rushing attempts, 38% of routes. He is a you know, maybe not a 1B to Ramondre's 1A, but close, close to that type of situation. So I think it's going to cap Ramondre's ceiling going forward. As much as we love him, he's going to be more like a low, like a high-end RB2 type of guy, I think, more so than a real guy you can hope for RB1 types of finishes the rest of the season.
0: We talked about this last week where he's probably going to be in most starting lineups, you know, regardless of if we were going to see Damian take a leap forward, but he did in week uh, seven, it was Damian Harris's first game back from the hamstring injury. And I believe he only played 10 or 12% of the snaps last week to Kevin's point. It was a much more, even 62 to 42% split. Look, the fact Stevenson led the way in carries like even we know he has a target. So the fact he did out carry uh, Harris 17 to 11 is great news. Keep an eye I don't, you know, don't laugh at me, people. But Ty Montgomery at some point going to come back from the IR, and you can say Ty Montgomery doesn't matter. He had the pass down role ahead of Ramondre Stevenson in Week One. You can say that's absurd. They played Brandon Bolden ahead of Ramondre Stevenson for an entire season on passing downs. Why is Damon Harris back in the picture of Ramondre Stevenson is so good because the Patriots do this every freaking year with their running backs. And for now, we can still feel good about Ramondre. I'm just saying don't completely dismiss the potential return of timeout down the road, but here. Ramondre hasn't earned it, though. Th- number three among 38 running backs in PFF receiving grade. He's been fantastic with the opportunities. Hopefully, you know, I'm sure cooler minds will prevail. and He'll continue to get 15 to 20 touches per week just to be a lot cooler if it were more. So they are home this week against the Colts. Five and a half point favorites. I believe the lowest game total of the week at 39 and a half. The one good news for Mac Jones has been Jacoby Myers. Three touchdowns in his last four games, Kevin. You know, this is the, really the answer to what happens when Jacoby Myers starts scoring touchdowns, and you really start getting a more consistent PPR borderline wide receiver, too. In his last nine games at Mac Jones under center, he has averaged 9.3 targets per game, at least eight targets in all but one of those games. We do have Devontae Parker. Likely missing time with the knee injury. In this offense, we're starting Ramondre Stevenson almost no matter what. And Jacoby Myers, Kevin, he's someone that slowly but surely it's getting tougher and tougher to keep him out of that top twenty-four. I finally said enough is enough, and I put him as my wide receiver twenty-four ahead of guys like Adam Thielen, Rondale Moore, and Romeo Dobbs. Is that fair, or am I just you know drinking the slow? I guess he's not that slow, but like the small slot New England uh, slot receiver, uh, Kool-Aid
1: Nah, I think it's fair. I just think, you know, low-end wide receiver two is kind of the ceiling for what we'll see from him. So it's it, it it's hard to say, like, everything has gone right, and now I can rank someone as, you know, wide receiver 24 <laughs> with, confidence, with confidence. And that's, that's what we got here. So that's I was cool. a little bit wrong. I thought no one would be usable at all here. And with Parker out, that definitely helps a bit. Not that Parker was a consistent force uh, gathering targets, but, uh, you know, having those go elsewhere – uh, we'll be good. Maybe maybe Tyquan Thornton could step up a little bit and and make things a little bit interesting, but he doesn't really project as a target hog either.
0: That's so true. He's scoring touchdowns. He's the featured number one target. Everything is going right. Wide receiver twenty four. Okay, moving on <laughs> to the uh, AFC North. First place, five and three Ravens. So. Very good second half from Lamar in that Thursday night game. But man, before we got there, this was basically going four and a half straight games where this passing game couldn't do much of anything. Before last week specifically, Lamar had gone four straight games without multiple touchdown passes or even eclipsing 210 passing yards. So I pulled up to some of his rates in more stable spots, you know, no pressure, no screen passes involved. And look, he ranks around 20th in pretty much everything, around about 35 qualified quarterbacks. So, Slightly below average, Rashad Bateman's been in and out of the lineup with the foot injury. He's expecting to miss more time. Mark Andrews has been in and out of the lineup. It's another room of pass catchers that we were kind of wishing there was going to be more there before the season. So now, inevitably, when the guys start getting hurt, we aren't exactly getting much help for Lamar out there. But I can't help, Kevin, as a Lamar stand as someone that was tweeting MVP after the first three weeks of the year and all that, I have been underwhelmed with all the kind of layups that Lamar is missing week to week. Is this just who he is? Because we keep waiting for Lamar to go back to 2019. But as these years keep piling up, I just feel like while we will get those three or four weeks flashes of him looking like Superman out there on the field, Man, I don't know if it's the Greg Roman offense, and I think that could be a big, uh, you know, what was the uh, they had their 290 pound fullback basically running the uh, clear outright, uh, the clear route right there. So you know what, I'm gonna change things up. I'm sticking to it. Lamar is the answer. Greg Roman's the problem. Why won't they help enable him more, Kevin?
1: Well, personnel is also not, you know, not not great, Bob. When you're talking yeah. about what's going on in the personnel department, I mean Rashad Bateman. I don't want to I don't want to put this out into the universe, but like I think there's a non zero percent chance he's like done. He's like like done for the season. I don't know if this foot is ever is ever going to really be back. We've seen these Liz Frank things can be very, very difficult. He came back. He thought he was back. Now he's back out again. He's probably going to miss a few weeks. So they have this game against the Saints. Then they have a bye. I think they need to get things fixed up, figured out healthy Mark Andrews figure out better ways to use Isaiah likely at the same time as Mark Andrews out there, but Demarcus Robinson and Devin DuVernay have looked fine when they've been out there as substitute options. It's just not going to get a lot of high end sort of stuff. So I think they're going to lean more and more into the running game. I know Gus Edwards, maybe is going to miss some time. Uh, you know, I, I guess you can float some off or you can try to get Kenyon Drake <laughs> in some starting lineups or something. I don't really see what else to do this week. But I think that's gonna be a bit more of it with Ronnie Stanley back and also guys like Linderbaum, the rookie, is doing a much, much better job run blocking and uh, than he has done pass blocking. So that could be just an unexciting sort of grinded out team, which is adding players to the defense. So I think they're going to try to lean into, you know, having more of a defensive running game type of team, the rest of the season, they weren't going out there and looking for offensive weapons for Lamar. Not that there were that many out there to be had anyway
0: this week at the saints on monday night football baltimore favored by two and a half game total at 48 that's the problem we have gus edwards with the hamstring injury harbaugh has already called him questionable so i don't think we're going to really know until monday if he's playing and that's going to make things very difficult for you on sunday so with my rankings i've tried to just reflect that uncertainty i have Kenyon drake and gus edwards rb 33 and 35 so i just tried to rank everyone ahead of them that i feel like you should probably be playing and not taking the risk. So that includes guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Brian Robinson, the Jets running backs, Antonio Gibson. It's just a problem where we're going to have three running backs in Baltimore. We don't even know who's necessarily going to be active. I don't think the upside is worth the risk of maybe, you know, having to take that bagel on Monday Night Football. We talked about Bateman being out, Devin Duvernay, rock solid wide receiver three during his absence. The other scenario here playing out, Kevin, is Mark Andrews potentially missing time. You mentioned you have the bye for Baltimore next week. He's dealing with a shoulder injury in addition to a knee injury. Harbaugh said the shoulder injury isn't considered serious, but hey, it is Mark Andrews, and he was already a game-time decision last week. Maybe, you know, cooler heads prevail, and they decide to just give him a week off here. And if so, Isaiah likely everyone's favorite sleeper tight end all of a sudden stepping into a featured role. This season, the Ravens have 93 targets to the tight end position. Second place Chiefs are 15 behind Pittsburgh and Cleveland, a full, you know, 18 targets behind, or I'm sorry, 28 targets behind. Really has been the Baltimore tight end heavy offense, as has, as has been the case really throughout Lamar's tenure there. So, if Mark Andrews is in, yeah, obviously top two tight end at the position. If he's out, Kevin, how much of this Isaiah Likely Kool-Aid are you willing to drink? Because with six teams on by, I mean, I'm looking at my rankings right now, and I think Kelsey, Andrews, Goddard, Ertz, pretty clear top four. But Isaiah Likely versus Kyle Pitts, man, don't let me get uh, six beers in me. I think I might be picking the Ravens tight end at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, it won't be necessarily a bad call. I mean, I, lo- I love the guy. I just thought that – During the preseason, my comp for for him and, you know, comps are always horrible, but he reminds me a little bit of like a Jordan Reed type of player where he's like a smaller guy. He has good feet. He doesn't have like explosive combine sort of numbers and neither did Reed, but they just move a little bit like a slot, like a bigger slot wide receiver, the way they're able to use short it, you know, in short space, short area movements, get open. He can do all those sorts of things. A very different player also than Mark Andrews in some ways um, as far as how they operate. So I'd be pretty high on him. would have him you know right around Pitts. I, I mean Pitts finally did something so <laughs> i guess you know he finally did something maybe arthur smith will like legalize passing again uh in atlanta but they're winning still so i guess he continues to own to own us um, when they continue to run and win every week
0: I do have some flattering stats for Arthur Smith, you know, giving him credit for just that. Once we get to the NFC side of things in the next pod, final note with the Browns and Steelers on by for the AFC North we are breaking down the four and four Bengals this week at home against the Panthers favored by seven and a half game total though at a lowly 42 and a half made a meme kevin actually you know surprisingly good photoshop skills for myself i usually i feel like good photoshop skills is like good handwriting at the end of the day just like you know take the time advantage you're uh, having it uh, rather than trying to really focus on this or that but that's an argument for another day the main thing was i did the burrow sack meme where he's got this time anyone's blocking for him but he's completing the pass to jamar chase and then when anyone's that receiver oh shit he's getting sacked again which did look like <laughs> most of that game out there he was starting to fix his problem you know the first two weeks of the year he took 13 sacks the next three weeks combined he only took five over these past three weeks though three three and then on last monday night five sacks taken so man this offense looked broke for the first 30 even 40 minutes of that monday night game without jamar chase in there just a bad 30 40 minutes of football kevin or is jamar chase really that important to this offense uh
1: i think it's bad football and jamar chase is a top five wide receiver in the nfl jamar chase is someone where maybe not every game but every other game he does something and uh, lets you produce an explosive play that maybe no other receiver in the nfl is going to do at that sort of capacity so that hurts an offense i mean t higgins um there's some issues as to whether he might be struggling a little bit himself out there. And I guess you didn't really think you, – you think about that team and you say, oh, they got Higgins, they got Boyd, so they got depth." But then you start to say like, wait a second, they're running all these three wide receiver sets and we have Mike Thomas and Trenton Irwin and Trent Taylor out there. And you're like, wow, this is actually pretty ugly. And defenses can really – up their ability to scheme around this and try to stop those top options going forward. Um, one thing I'll mention, Mixon can't, still can't run the ball worth worth a damn, but uh, last week, nine targets, eight catches. And if you look at Mixon this season right now, He's on pace, I think, for 72 receptions where he's never had more than 40 in the past or mm-hmm. 43, I think it was, in the past. That's a big bump in PPR leagues. Continues to be our expected points king, who is our – No, no, our, he's it, knocked
0: off. Oh, he's knocked? No. Kamara. Kamara got it. Oh, God.
1: Okay, but well, whatever. <laughs> he's He's the king of expected points over reality, but still enough expected points to – Make him startable and worth it. And maybe he'll never be efficient, but at least he's he's doing something out there.
0: Would note just real quick if you happen to be listening and have your fantasy lineup up there, Jonathan Taylor did not practice on Wednesday. He's still dealing with that ankle injury. So Deion Jackson might be a decent guy to go add to the squad. We saw what he did earlier in this year. I know slightly new running backs involved, but hey, you know, I'm just tweeting that out as, as I'm hopefully messing up my league mates picking him up on the own squads. But back to the Bengals. you brought it up, man. All offseason, I was screaming about them needing to get Auden Tate more involved. Now, here we are in week nine, and look who's right. And look God, who I, walked, I walked right into that. <laughs> right into that. Right into it. Okay, so still with these wide receivers. Again, I'm kind of with Kevin here, where even if the offense is going to be quite as good, it was just, you know, a 30, 40-minute sample. And we do have now 14 games of Tyler Boyd with Burrow and without one of Chase and Higgins. Obviously, a lot of that was just Burrow's rookie year before they had Chase on the team. But, man wide receiver 28 or better in nine of those 14 games he's got seven top 20 finishes that's really good people so even if boyd isn't going to necessarily you know be replacing chases you know big plays or anything like that still someone that's going to be at worst an upside wide receiver three during the stretch that chase is going to be out with t higgins we saw that big body touchdown he had at the end i have a hard time believing dante jackson or cj henderson going to be able to give him much of a problem at that catch point so boyd Higgins, Hurst, continue to feel good about these guys and obviously jam mixing in the lineups of all shapes and sizes. Before we get going on to the AFC South, want to go ahead and give a couple shout-outs to our lovely sponsors out there. First off, Underdog Fantasy. Even though Best Ball Mania has ended, Underdog Fantasy is still the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season with their Pick'em game. I love this Pick'em game. I was trying to play in the bar the other night, and then I found out that they don't have it in Ohio just yet. Luckily, my boy just... I love this guy. He does a great job with underdog NBA and he's even run the soccer thing But Justin fan has told me that they are going to be in Ohio, hopefully within the next eight or nine months. So we're starting to get there football capital of the world. They better freaking have the pick them game soon. Underdog is working to get that. So look, I'm a simple guy. I want to risk like $10 and have a chance of winning, 200 plus, because I know I'm not good enough to probably win a bunch of the time. And I just, I want that lottery ticket, Kevin. That's all I'm trying to look for out there. And that's exactly what this Pick'Em game offers. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that number in this week's game. And then you can go up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog Keith is super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. So again, you can pick between two and five players for your pick them entry, get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. You can do you know receptions, your typical player props, or even get the fancy points going there. And for someone like myself, who's obviously you know much more into weeds with fancy points versus some of the other more traditional counting stats, I do think it's a better edge than having to go out there and just get purely in those gambling parlay streets. So again, it's simple to get started. Just head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and sign up with promo code PFF. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy, promo code PFF. Get in on the action today. Also want to give a shout out to our lovely friends over at Western and Southern, Western and Southern it's sponsored. I'm sorry. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Wow, Kevin, I'm, I'm led to believe that there's been some breaking news.
1: I wish there was something. Okay, I got a couple of things here. One of them was from earlier today. So it's not breaking, but this is in the most shocking. This is just shocking news that we're coming upon here. According to GM Andrew Barry of the Cleveland Browns, he expects week 13 Deshaun Watson to play when he's eligible.
0: It's all that. Are you like, freaking kidding me?
1: Like, why, why, are, why are we reporting this? Okay, so that's, that's, that's more of the shocking category. This is more like really you have to be an expert a fantasy player to figure out how to use this knowledge. So this is um, Bill Belichick, press conference, talking about kickers. Okay, so he says he's been fortunate having Adam Vinatieri, uh, Stephen Goskowski, Nick Folk. He acknowledged that Adam and Steven were probably a little bit more talented, Right. More talent. But Nick Folk, probably the smartest what? in terms of kicking. They,
0: they take three steps, Kevin. How smart do you have to be? They do the same thing every single play. There's not a more one-dimensional job in all of sports You <laughs> don't want
1: to get inside that kicker's mind. Okay, It's a beautiful mind. A beautiful mind, Nick Folk. The smartest, the genius, the um, Albert Einstein of kicking is what we're going to call him going forward, Nick Folk
0: kickers practice about 15 minutes a week and then they expect to be carried off the field when they do again the one job they're supposed to do i've never seen it how come offensive linemen don't get carried off the field for you know blocking savages for 70 snaps a game oh my god i'm sure you've
1: seen that 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 tweet that got shared a while ago by the um the Fortnite guy, the this guy Ninja, who's like a who's like a gamer guy. Oh. And he had some tweet and he's oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like, sorry if you know you guys have already discussed this. And he's like, but I just don't understand. Like, why can't we just get kickers who don't miss kicks?
0: Ninja was right.
1: Like, <laughs> yes. He was right, it's like, man. It's like apologies. Apologies if this has already been discussed or whatever, but like it just seems like we should be able to find kickers who make their kicks rather it, than miss their kicks, right? It doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to do. Ninja whole- gets
0: it. And the whole Justin Tucker thing, like, bro, you kick a ball, like trying to dunk on like Russell Wilson. Are you kidding me out here? Know your place. I don't care if you're the best (laughs) kicker. I don't care if you're the best kicker to ever do it. You're still a kicker at the end of the day. All right. Now that we're done with my weekly kicker rate, AFC South, first place Titans, streaking five straight wins, even got it done with Malika Willis under center, but that shirt did not look great. The passing numbers atrocious, but man, even the rushing numbers weren't there. This was a game where if you would have gave me the over-under on rush attempts, I would have guessed eight and a half or so, maybe even nine and a half. Scrambled once, four design runs, only gained 12 total rushing yards. He did get down at the one-yard line on one of them, and they gave it to Derrick Henry because he's Derrick Henry facing the Texans. All the man knows how to do is go for over 200 yards and score multiple touchdowns. So overall impressions on the Malik Willis start, Kevin. I have not seen anyone out there, you know, venturing down the path that maybe he should be the guy ahead of Brian Tannehill, who continues to be one of the most disrespected quarterbacks in the league. Again, just overall thoughts on what we saw from Malik Willis.
1: Um, I mean, I had low, very low expectations. I didn't get some people saying that he was surprisingly good in the preseason because he. I mean, he had a couple of big runs, but like he was, he was really bad in the preseason. And other than the last game where he was like only kind of bad, I mean, he was really bad in this in this game. They passed the. Okay, it was seven three at halftime. The score seven three. Do you know you know how many pass attempts they had in the second half?
0: <laughs> Two,
1: one. One. one pass, one pass attempt in the second half, and that was Malik Willis rolling out, like didn't know what to do. Could have just stepped out of bounds. They said he jumped up in the air and like threw it and hit the ground. So immediately, uh, Vrabel was like, "Why the hell did we just do that? Like, let's never, let's never do that again. Like that, that could have been an awful interception or something right there." And they're like, "Let's just continue to give the ball to Derrick Henry every single play." I said. The Texas defense was interesting because I thought like there was no chance that Willis takes fewer than 4 sacks. I was wrong, he only took 3, but he only dropped back to pass 12 times. So it's like it was kind of hard even getting 3 on 12 dropbacks is is like low key impressive, badly impressive.
0: The one constant though is King Henry, the big dog himself. Four straight seasons as the NFL's leading rusher in terms of rushing yards per game. Now, he didn't technically give him the award last year, but he played eight games. He had over 200 rush attempts. I mean, to me that seems like a big enough sample size, but nah, they gave it to Taylor. But if you do accept that is the biggest sample size, 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022, Derrick Henry number one in rushing yards per game. So he keeps on keeping on. Looks great out there. He broke, I think, 13 tackles last week on the ground. That was the most most in a game all season, other than that, you know, famous Damian Pierce 17 broken tackle explosion back in Week Five, I believe. So they're in Kansas City this week. KC 12 and a half point favorites. Game total of 46 and a half. Look, it's Derrick Henry. Like you can't put the guy anywhere near your Bench. We don't want anything to do with anyone else because they rotate their tight ends. Still, the only offense in the NFL without a single wide receiver cracking the top twenty-four and PPR scoring at any point during the entire season. But when I just look at this game, Kevin, like Derrick Henry needs to run for like two hundred plus multiple touchdowns. Even then, I don't know how they this. The Titans, you know, credit to Mike Vrabel and company for them just keeping the floor as high as it is with this team losing AJ Brown and just not not having as explosive of an offense as these other squads, but it just seems like, man, the Titans can keep doing this, but they're at least a tier. If not, I mean, they're they're levels below this chiefs and bills team. I just don't know how they can keep up with these offenses.
1: Yeah. I guess from their perspective, people are like, Oh, this is the test for the Titans. I mean, hopefully Tannehill plays. Tannehill doesn't play. Yeah. It's over. Done. (laughs) Like you can't run Derrick Henry a billion times and get 200 yards expecting it against like competent uh nfl teams so if tannell does play i know this will be like well, oh, this is the test for the titans are they can they be for real this and that. i don't know it doesn't really matter they're gonna win the division anyway even if they lose this game i mean we're you know they're they're double digit underdog sort of things in this game we still have them having uh almost 90 percent chance of making the playoffs. so they're not probably not gonna be the number one seed like they were uh last season but they're probably still going to make the playoffs no matter what happens this week and i don't know if that's the attitude the titans will take in this particular game um but i think with tanhill being injured they might just run it a ton with henry and just hope things fall into place
0: second place somehow indianapolis colts at three four and one this week they're in new england patriots favored by five and a half points again lowly 39 and a half point game total so once again Jonathan taylor did confirmed tweak his ankle on sunday Not 100%, that's from Frank Reich himself, and he did not practice on Wednesday. So we have seen Deion Jackson really get a pretty featured role when Taylor has been missing time without Naeem Hines there either to take the pass down stuff. I mean, there is a chance that we see Zach Moss or Jordan Wilkins who got elevated from the practice squad, or maybe he just got signed, period. Again, he's been on and off the team over the past few years, but... Deion Jackson, really, man, I would expect him to have, you know, 65, 70% snaps and probably be a really fantasy friendly player in what's otherwise been a terrible offense. So Deion Jackson, no, we're not crossing out Jonathan Taylor's name and putting him in there, but he's gonna be right there in that top, you know, 20 mix, especially with these bye weeks going on. So we'll, you know, look at that here a little bit more. But first, uh, Kevin, Sam Ellinger debut. Similar to Malik Willis, man, like I guess Ellinger flashed more as a passer. I mean, he did have some nice downfield throws to Alec Pierce. I mean, at the end of the game, Michael Pittman catches that deep crosser. He might have even had a chance to put them in a position to maybe get a last-second field goal attempt. But again, at least in fantasy, the allure for both these guys was their rushing upside, and we just didn't really see that from Ellinger, both in terms of his efficiency and even the Colts wanting to do all that much of that. Just six carries, and two of those were scrambles. So overall thoughts on Ellinger's debut in Week 8.
1: I I thought he was fine. You know, you mentioned the rushing. I mean, nine attempts, but a little bit deceptive from the fact that five of those were scrambles. So we only had four design runs as part of this. That's something you would have wanted to have seen a lot more. I mean, he's you know, there's like sneaky athletic. He might be one of these like sneaky, actually not that athletic (laughs) guys because everyone was pumping up his athleticism or his rushing ability because he had rushing yards in in college, but he ran like a four eight, four nine or something. There's probably yeah. there aren't that many quarterbacks who actually run slower than the than, than Ellinger here. I know a lot of it is willingness. So he has that willingness and and having some ability to to go out there. So he does have that. But maybe the rushing upside we were hoping for him is a bit uh lower than what the ceiling is. And yeah, I mean I'm all in on Deion Jackson depending upon whether Taylor is out. So I think that was important. The other thing that we did see in this game, only uh, you know, 24 total pass attempts in this game, nine targets for Pittman, which... No one else had more than five. Alec Alex Pierce had five. So at least we got targets for Pittman, but just no efficiency with those passes. Seven catches for 53 yards.
0: For Pittman, definitely need to be cooling off a bit. It was good to see that he had that number one role. And again, with yeah. the buys, it's tough to drop him too far down the rankings. But I think if every single team was playing this week, it would be awfully difficult to keep him in that top 24. Still an upside wide receiver three, but unfortunately not looking like that top 10 wide receiver. He was drafted to be back in August. Yeah. With Ellinger, I think last week I called him, you know, like Lamar Jackson, if Lamar just didn't have any speed and that, you know, we didn't see the same exact usage, but does kind of ring true. Uh shout out player profiler had a nice podcast uh, with my guy, Matt Kelly last week and they're best comparable to Sam Ellinger chase daniel so hey if elder can go out and make that same amount of cash as daniel i mean that'll be a successful career for sure not so sure we're looking at the next big thing in fantasy land though so yeah uh last stat i have here again it's going to be based more so on if taylor's even healthy enough to suit up but guys weeks two through week eight jonathan taylor 43.8 ppr points week eight christian mccaffrey 40.3 ppr points so hey we cannot predict future injuries, as well as we can predict workload. I'm not going to sit here and victory lap at 10 million times yet, but just remember that, Hey, we are not gods. that can predict future injuries. Don't assume that we know more than we don't with Taylor though. Hasn't all been about, you know, the injuries and has been part of it though, playing through the ankle injury, but this Colts offense, man, he had 26 carries inside the five yard line last year. This year he has four this heralded offensive line, Quentin Nelson, all the boys, you know, just paving the way. 30th in team run blocking grade, 25th in yards before contact per attempt. So really one problem after another. Changing the play caller, Kevin. How many more changes does Frank Reich have until Jim Ursay just starts to say, you know what, I'm starting to wonder if this head coach has a little something to do with this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned before that Reich and Ballard have to be right there near the top as far as guys who are potentially going to get fired because, I mean, they, they, they have no direction. Now they have no direction. They were a team that... Was in it a little bit in the division, which really stinks. Now, this Ellinger thing is not going to work out. I'm sorry, guys. It's not going to work out. And it's kind of over. So, this is, you know, the stages of grief or whatever. This is like the stages of coach getting canned. This is, we're on stage like three of four, I think, right here, which is start tossing guys off the side, coordinators, which is also what Dan Campbell has been doing. (laughs) Too bad. We'll talk about maybe Dan, Dan Campbell later. But unfortunately, he's already on stage three also.
0: Third place, two and six Jacksonville Jaguars. Kevin, the amount of mainstream media journalists out there. I bet they've had this tweet in their drafts now ever <laughs> since week four. Because remember, this was a two and one team. Everyone just Doug Peterson's already matched Urban Meyer for the most wins in Jaguars history, or you know, the seventh most wins, whatever the hell Urban finished up at. And yeah, here we are five weeks later, still sitting on those two wins. And I don't think it's a coincidence that week two and week three, their only wins, we're really the only games that Trevor Lawrence played like the kind of number one pick and generational prospect that he's been lauded to be. If you just look at his PFF passing grade rank among quarterbacks, at least 15 dropbacks every single week. And yes, PFF passing grades, but if you guys want to pull a passer rating, yards per attempt, whatever passing metric you fancy, you're going to see the same story, which is he's been really mediocre for most of the season. So week one, 22nd in PFF passing grade. Week two and week three, he was eighth and sixth. But since then, man, 34th, 22nd, 17th, 25th, and 29th. On the season, 6th lowest graded passer among 36 qualified players. He's 23rd in yards per attempt, 25th adjusted completion rate, 22nd in passer rating. Like, how long is the leash here, Kevin? How long until we just say, hey, Trevor Lawrence looks like an average quarterback who has some flashes, but also misses a lot of layups. We had Ryan Fitzpatrick out here saying he wants to see more alpha out of Trevor Lawrence. And I, you know, I, I will never even be close to the amount of alpha that Ryan Fitzpatrick is. So I don't feel like I can really talk about how alpha someone else is, but you do see just again, a lack of, a lack of the sort of splash plays that you'd expect from again, the guy that was being rammed down our throats as the best prospects since Andrew Luck.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as I would love to to pile on to the Trevor Lawrence apologist who I was talking about last season, i talking about a bit this season um cuz they're out in force. Like they're they're more going to willing to show you these throws that he shows he's better than who he is. At the same time, I don't want to go too far in the other direction either. His grading has really not been good. He has been more efficient this year. I think what's been pointed out is just His situational awareness when it comes to taking risks has played them out of some games here. If you look at so far the season, the interceptions that he's had, three of them have been on first and 10 in the middle of the field. Uh, One of them was on first and goal from the one that we saw last week. One of them was on second and one from the seven yard line. Another of them.
0: That was a stingly pick. Yeah, yeah. And another
1: one was on second and six, I think, from the 17 yard line. So not not good. He has one that he threw on third and 11. So that's maybe like a situationally sort of thing. So he's kind of thrown him out of games. And, you know, I'm still pretty high on – the Jaguars rebuild outside of Trevor Lawrence. I'm very high on Doug Peterson. I think Doug Peterson's done a great job. I think he's done really well. I mean, Lawrence, again, has been very efficient outside of these mistakes. They have been in all of these games that they could have won, that could have flipped the other direction. You could say it's coaching this the reason, but you know, like what do you have to tell a quarterback not to throw a freaking interception on first and goal from the from the one-yard line? Like you figure that just should be in your brain anyway. So I think for Lawrence, it's just like his ability to be the generational Andrew Luck sort of guy, Hall of Fame type of player. We have to lower that expectation a lot, but his ability to be like an average above average sort of quarterback, maybe that's still there if he can clean up some things. So I don't want to toss out the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are like a league average-ish sort of team, which is not bad considering what they've been the last few seasons
0: obviously the future is looking up now after they decide to trade for calvin ridley freeing him as cordero patterson had printed on his t-shirt and i like that game. move a lot i
1: like that absolutely move obviously it's a 2023 move um but the upside there you know they even the, the even the, the the trade compensation it only goes up to a second round pick in 2024 if they sign him to a long-term contract so they're, they're they also cap some of their downside with the trade compensation
0: I believe I saw our guy, uh, Underdog's Finest. I seeing him on the t- big old TV getting mainstream these days. Uh, Josh Norris did bring up that Marvin Jones leads this offense, you know, and targets 20-plus yards downfield. And, my goodness, mid-2010s, Marvin Jones, you know, you didn't need two hands to count the number of, you know, contested ball, jump ball artists that were better than prime Marvin. But those have been, you know, quite a few years have passed since those days. So, Christian you – know, Kirk-
1: Josh, Josh Norris may be one of the Trevor apologists. <laughs> well, I know, but that's, I'm trying to give a little bit of you, Josh but definite Trevor apologist.
0: We have Christian Kirk... Evan Ingram, I think to a lesser extent, Zay Jones, these guys are doing good things underneath the field. This is an offense that could use someone to make defenses, you know, respect. Yeah. That Steve Ruiz, ball.
1: number one, no. Trevor, Apologist. I... Nate Tice is in there somewhere. Steve Ruiz tried to like pull some, some, some Warren sharp nonsense where he like split the stats. He's like, if you get rid of the red zone, Trevor Lawrence is MVP this year. And he wasn't even MVP after he got rid of it. He was still like below Tua and, and Gino Smith and other guys. But I just love, I, I love these guys. I love these guys. Hope, you know they're they're sticking to they're sticking with their their guy loyalty I guess is high for
0: these guys. This week, home against the Raiders. Raiders favored by one and a half points. Game total at 48. So, obviously starting Travis Etienne every, everywhere. I have him as RB5 this week. Oh, okay, okay, put him at RB9. Doesn't matter. You're starting him in lineups of all shapes and sizes. Explosive. Workhorse roll. He's not even catching the ball really that much yet. I mean, that's still an untapped part of the game. that I think but they didn't throw seeing. it
1: a lot. They didn't throw it a lot. Right. That's what makes those interceptions so painful, is that yeah. you're not even throwing it that much, and you're, you're 98th percentile efficiency running the ball, and then you're still losing these games.
0: I'm just like, if you had to kind of go through ETN's projected path to you know where he's kind of been now which is as an RB1 I mean over the past two weeks just the numbers 281 yards in a pair of touchdowns and during that stretch again I think he has like 15 total receiving yards so just only somehow uh, scratching the surface of what truly could be on the table I think Christian Kirk's really the only other guy we can really kind of trust in this offense right now 17 total targets over the last two weeks still the overall PPR wide receiver 14 on the season I do think we'll see more wide receiver two weeks than not move forward and with that christian kirk is gonna be this episode's official bounce back player of the week appreciate our fine friends over there at sleeper except when i'm playing in the pff fantasy league that kevin i think you're running roughshed through like this is
1: i don't know i got uh, jamar chase went down though I, I this is this is part of the nobody wants to talk about your fantasy team it's weird i started running back zero and i'm and yet i'm starting like running backs in my flex spots now because i had marquise brown and uh, jamar chase go down but gus gus edwards i lost him too but never anyway,
0: Never go zero RB unless you're Kevin, and I guess. You just have the waiver priority over Plus, everyone. I drafted
1: Kyler Murray and Kyle Pitts, which were like garbage picks too, but whatever. You know, it happens.
0: It, it is so funny, though, the, you know, hindsight looking through. Oh, zero RB was the best move this year. Yeah, you had to get those RBs. You should see the zero <laughs> RB teams that never actually got, you know, the waiver wire <laughs> RBs that you were supposed to be getting. And that is my only real beef with the, uh, you know, zero RB mindset. I get it. It's a fragile position, but – there is too much of an assumption that you're going to be able to beat out your 11 league mates to go get the running backs that you eventually want to get on the waiver wire. But guess what? If you do want to go employ that strategy, no better place to do it than over at sleeper. I absolutely love the app. Even when I check my scores and it breaks my heart, but that's not sleepers fault. They actually have a very Great app designed to, you know, break my heart in an aesthetically pleasing way. And you can always set the lineups as well with customizable settings to whatever you want to do. So appreciate our friends over at Sleeper. Don't be surprised. Christian Kirk gets that bounce back in week nine. The last place, one, five, and one Texans. Now Brandon Cooks is pissed. Awesome job, Texans. Uh, I was half joking on Twitter, Kevin. What's, all right. They fired uh, Jack uh, Estherby. Like, okay, we can say that's a Easterby. positive. Come on. Easterby, Dude, Whatever. some
1: respect on it. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, deserves,
0: yeah. he deserves all the respect. But, okay, you fired him. Good job. You kind of hired him in the first place. Uh, okay, they've given Damian Pierce a workhorse role. He's one of only 11 RBs with at least 15 touches and six or more games. Look, they're 14-point home dogs to the Eagles on Thursday Night Football, and Damian Pierce still needs to be in all fantasy lineups because they're going to get him 20 touches no matter what. I can't name another good thing this organization has done in recent memory, Kevin. I thought it was kind of making do with Brandon cooks, they paid him this off season. He's a veteran receiver. It seemed like I didn't quite understand why Brandon cooks was the one piece that they were paying and really trying to make feel at home, but they were, and now he's pissed off and we got Denny Carter able to, you know, continue to use one of the best tweets ever sent with, you know, his uh, quarterback running back wide receiver, tight end reactions to certain things and how the wide receivers always tend to talk about knives and evil and violence and wide receiver type things. So spot on there. Yeah, man, I, I hate talking about this team every week. I have nothing to say other than Damian Pierce is getting the ball a lot. He's he's pretty good. You got anything or you just want to go to the AFC West?
1: Uh, I mean, they got 11 draft picks in 2023, and I put them as the favorite to get uh, the number one overall pick. I know technically the Lions are 1-6, and, and they're 1-5-1, and one, so – Number one pick and you have the Browns pick, which looks okay. So, I mean, that's the only thing you got going for them is like, what could this team maybe be in 2023? But even then they don't have a lot of pieces <laughs> around around a bunch of rookies they're bringing in. And they've had two years to kind of get things aligned. I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening.
0: Patriots for Gate lost a first-round pick, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're telling me if this Deshaun Watson stuff comes back and the Texans are found to be a little bit corrupt and they're handling the situation?
1: Is that a thing? I do not even know that was a thing anymore. I, I mean, they, I don't know. Maybe I, mean, I looked a at it. Room. Honestly, I don't think it was. I mean, from what I know, I know we like to assume the worst about everything. It kind of sounds like your star quarterback said, Hey, I want, you know, to use this hotel room or whatever or and then they're like whatever, you can use it, you know. They they let these guys do whatever they want. Okay. So, I don't know. Well, we'll
0: see. I'm um, that would be the most Texas thing where they get the first overall pick and then they actually get yanked back from them by the NFL. So, again, I don't know the full details on that either. Uh yeah, let's talk about bigger and better things. AFC West first place Kansas City Chiefs coming off their bye, sitting at 5 and 2 this week. Again, big time 12 and a half point home favorites on Sunday night football against the Titans game total up at 46 and a half. So, haven't got a chance to talk through this Kadarius Tony trade. I'm not exactly sure where you stand on the, you know. Second-year receiver, awfully talented. We saw that last year. I mean, just the top five rookie seasons in terms of yards per route run over the last five years, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Kadarius Toney. He was 11th overall, even, you know, not just among rookies last year, eighth in yards after the catch per reception, and he can pass. guy's absolute cannon out there if you're interested in that kind of thing. So the Chiefs did send – a Conditional third and a sixth for his services. What are your expectations for Tony, Kevin? Is this just hey taking a chance on a first round pick who obviously had you know overstayed his welcome in New York, or is he legitimately gonna be somewhere in a couple of weeks that we're saying, wow, Kadarius Tony Chiefs wide receiver one?
1: No, I don't think we're gonna say Kadarius Tony. I mean, anything's possible, anything's possible. I mean, I guess I'll say I think there was some misreporting on the compensation. So it was it was the compensatory pick. From oh, the third okay. round, so it's not there's not conditional on anything. That's a compensatory pick that they got from Ryan Poles leaving to become was their assistant GM and then became the G, the second of two compensatory picks they got for that um, that trade. I, I I don't know what to say. The thing with Kadarius Tony is, I agree the yards per yards per route run everyone leaned on that you never want to do this like well if this didn't happen then this would happen but i'm going to do it anyway <laughs> so in that that cowboys game if you take that cowboys game it goes down to about like 1.2 yards per route run and another reason why everyone quotes that stat is even in that cowboys game i think he only ran like 22 routes he just doesn't run he doesn't run many routes even when he has been healthy he's never been a full time player and he's never been healthy and he was suspended in college and he, he seems to be not that into football, like generally. Generally, he might be a little bit more into his rap career. Check him out. Uh, young Joka on Spotify. <laughs> Someone had a good tweet where he has more songs on Spotify than career receptions, so a 50-something to 40-something. So I'm just saying it's one of these highly speculative sort of things. I think if it's really going to pay off, it's going to be probably more of a 2023 thing. But he will be useful when it comes to pop passes, those sorts of creative plays that um, – that Andy Reid can 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 dial up. But if he's successful, I think it's more like we don't – we can move on from cole Hartman or we can move on from Juju Smith-Schuster or we can move on from MVS, one of these sorts of guys. That gives them another option going forward who was a first-round talent.
0: So when this all went down, I – Tweeted. I want to remind people about the Kadaris Tony New York back tat, and I sent out a picture of it. Real big tattoo. He's got eighty nine. He's on got
1: the Empire. No, he's got the the Statue of Liberty all over there. Well, and, and what I
0: found out, apparently, Kevin, there are smaller Statue of Liberties across America, not just in New York. And allegedly, this one is. Uh, we're not to get away with that. Missouri. He's also got two five one, which I think is an area code from Alabama, where he's actually from. But I find out that Kadaris Tony himself quote tweets it, uh, and he says, "My whole back tat is my story." Story, LOL. I know it's fine. So I, people were telling me like, hey, this is actually from Missouri. He actually didn't deny it. Uh, he gave me a laughing emoji. He didn't block me yet. So Kadarius Tony, if you're a fan of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, just of know. Course. No,
1: he's listening. We know he's listening.
0: At, at least this host believes in you, He man. doesn't like
1: football. He likes fantasy football, though.
0: Yeah, Of course. So, you know, who's amongst us can you know, disagree <laughs> with that? So for now, Kadarius Tony. again, it's more so just a detriment to Mecole and Sky Moore, I think, having any sort of a big role. I'm still expecting Smith Schuster and our Marquez ball scantling to be able to go out there and honestly he keeps supplying some pretty low key good production. I mean, we look at what happened in week 7. Their wide receivers Justin Watson scored a touchdown. I know Miko had 3 but their wide receivers combined for I believe was 74 PPR points. They hadn't even broken 40 in the first six weeks of the year. So top ranked scoring offense on the season. Mahomes and company just keeping on, keeping on. The other big change that we didn't get too much of a chance to talk about though is Isaiah Pacheco taking over as the starting running back. Now it's so annoying in Kansas City and not Washington, where it's like, oh, Pacheco's starting RB1. Oh, okay. Antonio Gibson actually took Brian Robinson's starting role. And then you look at the snaps after the game, and it's like, oh, yeah, Jerick McKinnon and JD McKissick are actually the guys playing the most snaps here. So, what do you think Pacheco RB1 season even looks like, Kevin? Because, hey, 10, 12 touches in the top ranked scoring offense. Like, if we're going to take 12 touches, I'd rather them be in Kansas City than just about anywhere else. But do you see Pacheco completely, you know, displacing Clyde Edwards Hilaire and becoming this 15 to 20 touch guy? Or is this just a three-back committee that we're gonna to have to learn to live with better?
1: Yeah, I think it's just a three-back committee. And it's also one of those things where kind of like with Buffalo, what we talked about earlier, like you don't want to be throwing these guys the ball a lot. It's not the most successful way to run an offense. Um, so there's one of those things where you probably need a Clyde Edwards Hilaire injury to do something significant and i'm not even 100 sure it happens even with a clyde edwards Hilaire injury so that's not a great place to be but definitely a ch injury would would bring things forward without that you're plugging him in there and hoping to get a touchdown
0: from andy reed himself by the way there's tony to be quote unquote worked in for week nine wow this is a big one kevin from andy reed we've got one football and we've got a few guys that we like to get the ball to I mean, I, mean I think they can 10? afford – can top you not 10?
1: afford multiple footballs out there? <laughs> like, let's get some more footballs out there. Let's it's, work it. It's 20 We get more laterals into the game plan.
0: Biden's America, man. All right, Chargers, yeah. four and three. Place. Second place. <laughs> <Second> place. <laughs> Pork Futures, through the roof. Okay. Second place, Chargers, also coming off a of buy. Still sitting there at four and three. But here's the thing. They're not throwing downfield, and we can talk about that, but who exactly are they supposed to throw the ball downfield to? Keenan yeah. Allen has missed, you know, pretty much the entire season at this point with the hamstring injury. Last week, he left after playing a little bit in the first half. I'm sorry, two weeks ago because, quote unquote, he did not feel like he could burst. Doesn't seem particularly closer to coming back after the bye week. I have no idea. <laughs> it sounds
1: like there might be some medication that he could be taking for that. I,
0: I don't know what's going on with Keenan Allen right now. Mike Williams, high ankle sprain. He's expecting to miss, quote unquote, weeks, not days, per head coach. Brandon Staley like when I hear something like that you know I know I shit on Pete Carroll a lot for being an optimist but uh, yeah that doesn't sound good at all I'm not sure when Mike Williams could be back either Josh Palmer wasn't able to suit up in week 7 to a concussion and don't forget I know he's not the biggest deal but Justin Herbert has saved some of his best throws for Jalen Guyton he hasn't played since week 3 so He's been throwing to Josh Palmer in and out, DeAndre Carter, you know, Michael freaking Bandy out there. Gerald Everett's been a little banged up. And because of all this, Austin Eckler is on pace to catch 129 passes this season. So, look, Herbert's going to get his. You almost assuredly don't have better options, you know, to start a quarterback than Herbert. If he's out there, we can feel better about Gerald Everett with all this going on. Legit top eight tight end this week. And obviously, Austin Eckler is the number one running back in all of uh, fantasy football at this point. And I don't really see that going anywhere else, Kevin particularly without these other wide receivers to get the ball to. So I guess the only real pressing question is what's the overall confidence level in Josh Palmer as the wide receiver one against the Falcons defense that already really bad when they were healthy. I mean, AJ Terrell appreciate the guy following number one wide receivers this year. He had allowed a league high seven touchdowns before getting injured. And guess what? The backups have not been any better. So dead last in the NFL and fantasy points per game allowed the wide receivers. Josh Palmer on the bye, someone that you're confident enough in to put in that top 24 alongside someone like your Kobe Myers.
1: I think I am, but you know, you could regret it. I mean, he hasn't shown a ton, but what what my, this is my thesis where you're going to have, you're going to feel good about him. Maybe feel good about Gerald Everett too. Right. Is that, Herbert, now we are, let me see how many weeks here. It was week two. So we're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks away from the cracked rib cartilage. They're coming off of a buy. Maybe they get some protection issues figured out. Herbert maybe can play a little bit better. That's been one of these drags on the entire office. The fact that, you know, Justin Herbert's not been that great. Um, They don't have great personnel, but maybe Herbert can like recapture some of that form. That was someone who elevated guys like Jalen Guyton in the past and others that he was able to throw to. So I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic on them. I don't think the Falcons, again, name a Falcons defender, who is not injured and is not named Grady Jarrett right now. Good, good luck. There's a, You don't even know who these guys are out there. P.J. Walker, you know, is throwing bombs and and making plays out there. Um, I think this is a team that can have a real bounce-back game coming out of the bye here offensively. And if that's the case, you just look around. Who are they going to throw it to? I think Palmer's going to be targeted, and I think to a lesser extent, Gerald Everett will also be targeted.
0: Thank you for continuing talking and not asking me that question to name another Falcons defender because that was not going <laughs> to. I
1: had to give you time to pull it up, to pull, to pull it up. Yeah, with AJ Terrell and then Casey Hayward out. Like I, I don't know. I don't know anybody either. I got to look it up myself to figure out who else is on that team.
0: Third place Broncos country. Let's ride. They have a bye week. So we'll talk about them next week. Leading us to our last team in this edition of the PFF fantasy football podcast, your last place, two and five Las Vegas Raiders, just a complete stinker last week. I mean, they did not cross the 50 yard line. So I believe there was three minutes left in the fourth quarter. And at that point, Derek Carr wasn't even in the game. So on the season, they're still 12th in scoring. I mean, you know, it was the Texans two weeks before, but they did look like, you know, a capable offense in all facets of the game. And that one still, though, just one game with even over 260 passing yards on the year. And Devontae Adams already with three games under 50 receiving yards. Last year, he only had two. I mean, you look at 2018, they only have one. 2019, four. 2020, he had three. So this really has been flu game and all that, you can bring up whatever excuse you want, but they haven't been able to flirt with these upper end passing outcomes that I think was really making Carr, you know, not a, I don't think anyone was ever confusing him as, like, an MVP candidate. But I saw a lot of tickets out there in August, you know, expecting him to maybe lead the NFL in passing yards. Obviously, Josh Jacobs' success has, you know, allowed Josh McDaniels to run the ball more. But here we are, Kevin. It's week nine, and I'm just underwhelmed by this Raiders team. Is it as simple as blaming Derek Carr, or does Josh McDaniels deserve more flack for an offense that you could argue the passing game at least was more consistent last year, even before bringing Devontae Adams into the fold?
1: Yeah, I mean it when you when you put up a bagel, the first uh bagel that the Rares have put up since November thirtieth of two thousand and fourteen, there's a lot of blame to go around. You you can blame a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't think anyone is skirting blame when it comes to this thing. Um, and it's also tough when you have 37 pass attempts and then 16 of those are going to Foster Moreau and Mac Hollins. And then you're targeting Devonte Adams five times and only getting one one catch out of it. It's just it's really rough. So something has gone drastically wrong. I never would expect it to go like this though. Like this is. Low, low low-end sort of outcome. I think Devontae Adams will come back. We'll get some more targets. They'll be a little bit better going forward. It's just starting to turn into a little bit of a lost season for a team that put a lot into this year. Not only have things not gone well for the Raiders themselves, who have been a better team than their record so far before last week, um, but things are not going well around them either with the fact that the AFC just looks pretty stacked and the top teams are doing exactly what we expect them to do in the AFC. It's just going to be nearly impossible for them to even make the playoffs, let alone try to make a run in the playoffs.
0: It really is like the opposite of last year. Because I agree with you. They're better than two or five. At least they have seemed that way. And last year, they really had no business being in the playoffs. I mean, this team had the fourth worst point differential in the AFC at minus 65. Never forget that the Colts had a plus 86 point differential and didn't manage to make the playoffs. So on the season this year, like we saw the game against the Chiefs. They didn't look out of place being able to take that one down to, you know, one position, one possession game at the end. They have impressed in their wins. But then you add it all up and you look at it. And all of a sudden, they are the team with only a minus 11 point differential but the two and five record out there. So this week in Jacksonville, you know, this is like a loser leaves town sort of match with the two, two win teams. Just, you know, one of these teams really going to be written off after this one. Raiders are one and a half point favorites game total at 48. I do think Devontae Adams is going to see some uh, shadow coverage from actually one of the more impressive players on the Jaguars this year. And that is cornerback Tyson Campbell shut down Sutton last week and had a good game against Mike Williams as well. PFS 11th highest graded cornerback on the season. So obviously going back to well with Devontae. Monte. I think Mac Hollins at this point deserves to be ranked over Hunter Renfro, which is sad. You're probably not starting either of them anyway. And other than that, we have Josh Jacobs who's going up against a Jaguars defense that just allowed both Melvin Gordon and Latavius to post top 24 finishes. And sadly enough, the only game all season that the Jaguars haven't allowed a top 24 finish was back in week two against Jonathan Taylor of all people. So fire up Josh Jacobs again with all the confidence in the world. Devontae should have better days because they can't get much worse. And hopefully this Raiders offense starts to meet a little bit of their potential, but, Time is running out fast. And with that, Kevin, we have concluded our AFC edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We will be right back with more NFC goodness. Before that, you got the Unexpected Points Podcast, Kevin. And I saw, I believe you said you always do your uh, adjusted scores, which will piss off, you know, a certain fan base or two if they don't like what comes out there. But I believe you said last week, first time you could remember that every single game, actually, even after it was adjusted, none of the winners and losers changed.
1: I know. Difficult. Difficult to make people upset about hypothetical (laughs) differences in results when there are no differences. So we'll get that fixed. We'll get in behind the code. We'll grind away. We'll make sure we can get some more controversial scores going forward. But we we failed you this week, but we, we will continue going forward. We'll keep getting better.
0: As always, you can find Kevin and my and Nathan Yankees work and rankings at pff.com. If you haven't downloaded the PFF app, that is the easiest way to get start, sit, questions answered. We have a very easy to understand method of doing so. You pick one player, you pick a second player, and then we will tell you where I rank them, where Kevin ranks them, and where Nate ranks them. And then it's up to you to decide if you want to start or sit them. Absolutely novel concept. Nobody else in the entire history of the world has thought about this, but guess what? It gets the job done and as happy as I am to, you know, usually try to take 30 to 60 minutes a week to answer all your start sick questions. I know I cannot get to all of them. So please check out the PFF app, especially if you're already a subscriber, what are you waiting for? Just making the experience that much better for Kevin. I Ian. thanks so much for tuning in the PFF fantasy football podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.